All right, we have a treat today. Heather Kamira is going to be preaching. Uh, let's welcome Heather. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Okay. Pull this up a little bit. Well, welcome to Vineyard Church of Delaware County. I'm Heather Kamira, and I am one of the pastors here. And I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, we're doing a, a, just a one-off sermon. Uh, this is not a new series, uh, and not at all a um, comprehensive teaching on the church, but uh, it's something that God's really put on my heart, so I'm looking forward to sharing with you today. Um, I am fairly new here. I would consider myself kind of new. I, um, I've only been here three years, and I, I know that. I have a horrible memory, but <laughs> I know that because my daughter is three and a half, and we started going here when she was, oh, three to six months old. So I'm like, okay, if you're three and a half, I've been here three years, <laughs> uh, which means that I'm still, I still feel very, fairly new, right? I'm still meeting people. I'm still getting to know people. And, and now being on staff, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm learning new things all the time, more about the church history, learning you know, more about um, who goes here and the small groups that are here. And, and I've really just grown, grown to love it. And, and I have, I've said this before, but I had a little bit of a, a resistance with the Lord to uh, come into ministry. Uh, it was something he had to work on me with for a long time because I was a, a pastor's kid, so I, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. And, and I remember saying to the Lord, not unless I feel like you've really called me and I really have a love for the people. And I just want to tell you this morning that God's really planted, whew, he's planted this love in my heart. And you know that I don't know all your names yet, right? You know, I don't know all of you. And I, I hate that, but I will get to know you. And, and, but I know that the Lord has given me a heart for this place, this church. And so uh, we really, both Adam and Eden and I, just really are blessed to be here and be part of, of this church family alongside with you. But uh, I don't know if you know this, and you might, uh, just by talking to people in your workplaces or out in your neighborhoods, but there is a trend in culture, right? There's a trend in culture where there's more and more unchurched people than ever before. And we see that decline. I was looking at the Barna Group online, and they're really good um, statistics. They gather a lot of you know, information from different polls and things, and, and they just have noted that there's been a significant decline in church, in people attending church. And, and, and I've, I've talked to quite a few of my friends back when I worked in the industry, and, and uh, even some people here who are kind of like, well, you know, whether or not they've been hurt by the church, I mean, there's various reasons. But a lot of them are like, well, what's the point? You know, like, what's the point, really? I mean, I love Jesus, you know, I, I, I'm good, right? You know, and, and what's the point of, of really making this a priority, of, of going to church? But what's interesting is that there's also this dichotomy, right? Because what we notice in culture is that even though we're, gosh, we're more technologically connected than ever, right? more than ever, and yet there's this contradiction, there's this, this sense of like more disconnectedness than ever, right? There's a sense of, uh, of loneliness, and uh, it, it's definitely uh, a bit of an epidemic in our culture today, and the Atlantic Magazine published a great piece a while ago called, uh, Is Facebook Making Us Lonely? <laughs> 
And their conclusion was that our relationships can be described as a mile wide and an inch deep, right? Really broad, but really shallow. So we have hundreds, I mean, heck, thousands of Facebook friends or, you know, friends online, but, but we still are lonely. We have a lot of likes, but we don't have a lot of genuine connection and love, right? So we're more accessible than we ever have been, ever have been. Remember long distance calls? Remember that? When you actually had to like worry about how much they cost? <laughs> I mean, nowadays I have friends that live, you know, just states and states away and I can access them with just one touch of a, of a device, right? It's so easy to get in touch with people and yet we're having fewer and fewer face-to-face right? Truly person-to-person connections. Over the last few decades, technology has delivered us to a world in which we never have to be out of touch with anybody or anything for a fraction of a second. We can always be in the know. And this article also summarized that the current state of the 21st century is this, in a world consumed by ever more novel modes of socializing, we have less and less actual society. We human beings, and we know this in the church, right? We human beings are created, we're created for relationship. But the first negative word ever spoken in scripture was in paradise and it was used by God. And he said way back in the book of Genesis and Genesis two, he says, it is not good for man to be alone, right? None of us do well alone, none of us. And another study by uh, Duke University, a bunch of sociologists that got together, they had this massive multi-year study, and they discovered this, and this is just staggering to me. They discovered that the average American adult has only two significant relationships in their life. Two. And get this, a quarter, 25%, of all adults in the US have no one to talk to about the most important things in their life. No one. That's staggering. There were two Christian psychologists who wrote a book called How People Grow, Dr. Henry, Ta- Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, and they said this, people's most basic need is life and relationship. Life and relationship. And we know, we know this from science too, not just sociology, we know this from from science, from even from medical science. We know that people connected to other people thrive and they grow. And those that don't, have you seen the stats on like when you're battling cancer, how much much quicker your recovery when you have a people or a group of people around you supporting you? It's, It's amazing. But but the likewise, the, the opposite is true that those that aren't connected wither and die. And it is a medical fact that from infancy to old age, your health depends on the amount of social connection you have. True social connection to the people around you. So, what is the solution for us? What is the solution for our isolation and our loneliness? Well, what we see is that God has always intended to have and build a people, a people. God is not primarily interested in saving a bunch of disconnected individuals. 
That is good, that is key, that is important. But primarily God's interest is gathering a people of God. And though it's true that we enter salvation individually one by one, when we come to know the Lord Jesus, this life of salvation, this life of sanctification, walking this out is not meant to be done alone. It's not meant to be done alone. We are immediately joined, whether we like it or not, to a people of God, the universal church, when we come to know Jesus Christ. And so today we're gonna look at the church being the church. And not just through God's living word, but we're gonna look at a living example today. We're gonna look at our church, BCDC, and see why the church is so needed and still so valuable today. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, God, for this place, for these people. And I, I just, uh, in worship, was just so sweetly reminded that, God, you inhabit the praises of your people. Mm. And I pray for more, God, where I pray you would increase our, our dissatisfaction, Lord, that there would be a hunger for more of you, God that we would recognize our need and our desperation for you this morning. And God, would you, would you show us, Lord, what you've given us? Would you remind us, would you encourage us where you've planted us and what a sweet place this is, God? Hmm. I just pray your, your, your blessing and, and your presence with me this morning as I speak. God, let these be your words, Lord, not mine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, the word church, we should start there, right? The word church used in the New Testament is a word, and I really love this stuff, so excuse me if I get a little excited. Um, It's a word that if you do some digging, brings up some really interesting facts. You ready? Okay, so the word church in the Greek, uh, which is the language of the New Testament uh, that it was written in, the word is ekklesia, Ecclesia. And William Tyndall, an English scholar during Henry VIII's reign, okay, Henry VIII, England, okay, he was uh, the first one to translate the New Testament Bible from its original language in Greek to English around the 15th or 16th century or so. But when he gets <clears throat> to this word, Ecclesia, he goes, wait a minute, uh oh. Something's wrong here. Because what he had as reference, what had already been translated into English was the German Bible. So German Bible had been translated into English, so he had that as a reference, but he was the first one actually translating it from the Greek to the English. And when he got to this word ekklesia, he's like, wait a minute, because the word that they used in the German, so the word for church in German, was actually a word that meant holy place, holy site, or church, church, so where we get the word church. But when looking at the Greek, Tyndall sees that it means something entirely different than just a place. It's a gathering, it's a congregation, it's an assembly. So this is really cool. So it has nothing to do, right, with a location, a place, or geography. So in the first English New Testament, the word church, doesn't appear anywhere. You think about that? The first English New Testament was the word church was never seen anywhere because every time he got to the word ecclesia, he wrote down congregation 
or gathering. So, what do you think the big church in that day thought of that? Well, they arrested him. They did. They burned his Bibles and they strangled him to death and they burned his body. And it's been church ever since, right? I don't think we're gonna get around the fact that we use church nowadays, okay? I'm not uh, that naive. Uh, We're gonna be using that word church, but I think it is so important that we understand what it means, right? Especially what Jesus himself meant when he first said that word, ecclesia. When he first said that word, you know what he was doing? He was predicting not a building, right? Not a building, but a people, a gathering, a Jesus people. So the church is first and foremost a gathering, right? It is not a building. It is not a building. It's you. So the first time Jesus uses this word in Matthew 16, 18, they're right outside of Jerusalem. It's dusty, it's hot, and the disciples are there. And, and in Matthew 16, 18, it says, I tell you, I tell you that you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, Ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So right before this, Jesus is asking them, who do people say that I am? Remember? Who do people say that I am? And, and, and Peter gets it right. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right. God gave you that answer, but you're right. <laughs> and on this rock, this statement that I am the son of the living God, I will build my ecclesia my church. And fortunately, Matthew's sitting there with the rest of the disciples, and he's going, oh, that that sounds important. You know, I think I might write that down. You guys think we should write that down? Let's write that down. And he's the one that writes it down, and he's, okay, and he's hearing it in the Aramaic, right, but he's writing it down in the Greek. And so he writes down this word, ekklesia, and what's so cool about that is that God, Jesus, is predicting a people He's predicting this movement of people, this Jesus gathering, and there's nothing that's gonna be able to stop it. How encouraging is that? There is nothing that's gonna be able to stop us. When Denny and Penny were praying about planting this church over 15 years ago, crazy cool, Penny says that she remembers hearing the Lord say, Penny, (laughs) I'm going to go plant a church. Do you want to come along with me? That's what he said to her. I'm going to go plant a church. Do you want to come along? He is calling together a people. He was calling together a people even 15 plus years ago. He had you in mind. He said, I'm going to be calling you here to this gathering, this place. And I think the invitation of the Lord is just like it was for for Penny back then. You know, you want to come along? That's, that's our invitation today. Do you want to come along? Are we committed? Mm, are we committed to showing up to this gathering? I remember uh, hearing a pastor say, you know, sometimes the most holy thing to do is just to show up. Just to show up. And I think it's a real trend in our culture, especially our Christian culture. I call them Christian tumbleweeds. You know a few of those? Who are blown by the wind of whatever's cool, right? Oh, there's a cool new church. Oh, there's a cool new pastor. Oh, there's a cool new this. There's a cool new that. You know, and then they're just like, ooh, always looking for the cool new thing, right? 
do you know, as I've watched their lives the last 10 years or so, it's like I grieve in my heart because I'm like, I don't see fruit because they've never put down their roots. They've never actually put down their roots. If you're constantly transplanting a plant every six months, do you think that, fruit, that, that plant's gonna grow any fruit? No, it's only when we put our roots down deep that we actually start seeing incredible fruit in our lives. What a cool, cool metaphor. Well, and I, I wanna share a little bit about how I know this to be true for my own life. <laughs> Feel a little vulnerable, right? So I started coming here three years ago, right? Three years ago. What you don't know is that I was in a season of my life where uh, I wasn't going to church. That's a pastor saying that. <laughs> and I wasn't. I, I, for a while, I, I was uh, really pregnant at the time and, and I just, everything was hard, <laughs> just to be honest. And I was working a full-time job and, and I wasn't as connected to our small, small group because we were, they had changed locations and times and, and it was just easy. It was just easy to kind of get out of the habit of just not going to small group. And, and, and I went to a really big church at the time and, and you could literally go in and come out and, and really not see anybody you knew. And it was really easy for me to, to go, yeah, it's okay, I'm just not gonna go. And, and I remember my husband being a little like, come on, Heather, you know, and he would still go. But I, I would just fight him on it. I'm like, no, no, I'm just not gonna go today. And, and for whatever reason, I just didn't feel like going, so I didn't go. And, and for a while there, uh, once, once I had my daughter, it was definitely easier to say no, right? I had a little one, and oh, I don't wanna go around the germs, and you know, just lots of reasons why I, I couldn't go to church. And, and uh, I, I just, I remember uh, talking about it with two close friends of ours, and we were open up and about, opening up about the fact that we just, I hadn't been going to church and hadn't been really involved in my small group and just gotten out of the habit of it. And, and they said, well, funny, because we have been you know, looking at a couple different churches uh, in the area because we really want something a little smaller where we know people, where we can get to know people. And, and they said, we found this church. And what's so cool is that their like, six or seven-year-old son was like, mom and dad, um, yeah, by the way, this is our church. I mean, the first time he walked in, he's like, this is our church. We're going to go here. I'm like, you are out of the mouth of babes, right? You know? And uh, how did he know that he was going to have such an impact? And, and so he knew this was going to be the place where they were going to go. But, but they said, you know what? We just don't know anybody. So would you guys come with us? And uh, they're like, we really think you're going to like this church. And we, uh, we think you should come. And, and so I thought, you know, well, I'm not changing churches, right? Because that's my church, you know, that, that big church, that's my church, even though I wasn't going. That was still where I thought I belonged. That's still where I thought that's my church. And there was no reason for me to really leave. And, and yet for them, I was like, well, sure, you know, I'll, it'd be good for me to go back to church. I mean, theoretically, it would probably be good, you know, so I'll, sure, I'll go back. I'll, I'll go for you. And, and so Adam and I committed to, at 1130, every single Sunday, show up and meet our friends here. And, uh, so we, we had some accountability. And a month in to uh, attending here, I, was, I still had a little one at the time, so I was in the nursery the whole time. So every single Sunday, I would go right back to that little first room over there, and I'd crank the sermon up, and I'd just sit there with my daughter. And, and it was about a month in, and I'm sitting there, and Danny comes up. And I don't know if you, you were here at the time, if you remember this, but he uh, shared a couple prophetic words that the church had received. 
and they all had a common thread, and he said, you know, usually we don't do this, but I, I really feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to share this with you as a church, and, and he shared uh, this word, these couple different pictures, and then it came with a warning. It said, you know that there's a, there's a storm coming, and, and for some of you, you've put your walk with Jesus on the back burner, and you haven't really put your roots down deep, and, and if this storm comes, it could really damage your relationship with God. It could actually uproot you. And, and he said, you need to put your roots down deep. And, and when he said that, I just, it's like my hair stood on end and I just knew, I was like, whoo, Holy Spirit was just there. He's like, Heather, this is for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is for me. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I just feel the, the presence of God in that little holy sacred nursery over there. And, and I'm like, oh, this is so what I needed to hear. And, and then I was gonna get to hear Michael preach his first sermon and they actually switched the series because they really felt like they were supposed to do a new series on Nehemiah. And, and I was excited to hear Michael preach for the first time because I knew him from my previous church and I never heard him preach. And, and I was excited to, to sit there. And, and as he was started preaching, again, the Holy Spirit was just there. And, and I, I can't explain it, but it, it, he just spoke really clearly to me and he said, Heather, I've given you a lot of permission and a lot of space and a lot of grace to say no to a lot of things. And it's been good for you in the most part, but, but I'm gonna tell you this. And I just felt this weight to his words. He's like, this is what I want you to say yes to. And he meant you, he meant here. And I knew what he meant. I'm like, oh. There was weight to his words. This is what I want you to say yes to. And I'm like, this? I wasn't even expecting, I'm going for them. I'm not even here because of me. And he's like, this, this is what I want you to say yes to. And immediately following, isn't this like the Lord? He goes, I want you to start a small group and I want you to start tithing again. I'm like, oh, because no one knows that, right? Other than God, right? He knows that I, hadn't, I wasn't even tithing during that time. I mean, I was just utterly disconnected, and he knew. And so what's funny is the story doesn't stop there. This is so the Lord. I walk out of the nursery. I'm already just like, oh, this is, this is a good one, you know, and it really got me, right? You know? And the Lord's really, you know, spoken to me. And I walk out of the nursery, and I see my friend, uh, Aubrey, and, and she looks at me. She's like, Heather, I just, I keep feeling like the Lord wants us to start a small group. Like, you and me, girl, we're going to start a small group. And I'm like, huh, yeah, we are. <laughs> we sure are, you know. And, and I get in the car, and it's the first time I've seen my husband the whole service. And we get in the car, and we start driving out of the parking lot, long trek home. And he goes, Heather, I just got to talk to you. It's like, I feel like the Lord was speaking to me during the service. And I think we're supposed to make this our church home. He's like, I think we're supposed to start a small group. And I think we're supposed to tithe here. I, I really think that God is asking us to make this our church home. And I look at him, I'm like, oh boy, there's no way of getting out of this now. I was like, oh, and literally, I think we were driving into our driveway when he says, so what do you think about that? <laughs> I'm like, well, let me tell you what the Lord just said to me and how sweet of the Lord is that? How sweet of the Lord that he knows that we're a couple. He knows that we're one and, and that he called us even in the same service, he called us to this place and he said, this is what I want you to say yes to. How sweet of the Lord is that? And, and just look at the fruit. Just look at the fruit in my life for the last three years of putting down roots again. It's just, just so the Lord. 
So why is it dangerous for us when we look at this place as just a building, as just, you know, cement and a lot of wood and <laughs> a lot of plaster? Why is it so dangerous for us to see it like a building and not, not a people? And I, and I think it's this. I think it's our culture. Um, I think it's that we, we like to say things like, well, I go to that church or uh, I went to that church, or I don't like that church, or I don't like the worship at that church, or the music at that church, and, and that really doesn't make sense, right, when you replace it with the word ecclesia. But it's easy to come to church. It's easy to come to church looking for something, you know, to get, and almost looking for something to pick and choose and customize, because isn't that our culture today? Uh, we just, we're able to customize things to the nth degree to meet our expectations. We're able to say, you know, I don't like that, and I do like that, and, and it's this consumeristic kind of mindset, right? You know, and, and, and people can pick and choose and say, I like this, I don't like that, all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. There's something about the culture and something inside of us, too, that fights against just showing up and receiving whatever there is there and not somehow making it fit our preferences. And, and I've read some articles recently that was even talking about old, you know, back in the day when they would have like a concert or some music come in town, uh, people would hear about it and they'd show up and they'd get to experience this incredible, you know, orchestra or music together. It was this experiential kind of community uh, uh, event. And, and it was this sweet coming together of people. And, and yet today, did you know people will, will buy a ticket? <clears throat> they'll show up like half an hour late just to the songs they want to hear and they'll leave 20 minutes early because that's all they want to hear. They don't like those other songs because you can find that out online, right? You can, you can find out which songs are being played and, and even on our you know, iPods or our phones or you know, our Spotify, we can customize the music. We, we don't even buy full-length full CDs anymore. That's almost unheard of to actually buy a whole CD uh, even a whole album online, because we were like, well, what's the point? I might as well save some money and just buy the ones I like, right? We're so used to customizing our experiences, right? And I know that's normal for culture, and that's kind of a cool thing to be able to do nowadays, and sometimes it's just in the effort of saving money, but, but it's not normal, and it's not healthy for the community of God. It's not. I think one of the hardest parts is that we don't get to choose who we're gathering with. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Uh, the, the beauty of deeply connecting with the church rather than just gathering together with a few of our close friends, right? Chosen friends. The beauty of becoming part of a small group rather than just hanging out with a few chosen Christian friends or a few people from college or, or the workplace is that in small groups and that in church, you don't get to pick the people. God does, right? God does. And so much of our growth that is gonna take place in our life is a result of God putting us in the midst of people that are different than us, different than us. He knows our impatience and he knows our judgments. He knows our, our our unwillingness to let go of grudges. He knows our preferences. He knows our, our superiority and our racism. He knows the things that we bear in our hearts that we don't even see ourselves until we rub up against somebody who's different than us, right? And he wants to work things, these things out in us, 
but we got to give him permission to do that, right? We can't insist on always determining who we surround ourselves with. And we used to have a joke in, in my old small group that we would have never, ever known each other if not for God. And, and I just, I, I don't think I appreciated it as much during, but I definitely appreciate it now after. <laughs> we were the craziest crew of people. Uh, we would joke about like how different we were. I mean, different races, different cultures, different backgrounds, different education, different, uh, you know, socioeconomical, you know, backgrounds, uh, you know, different paychecks, different uh, disabilities even. And we were just a weird crew of people, but we loved each other. We loved each other. I mean, I remember a, a girl who had her PhD, had her own apartment, her own car, and how she was praying with a girl who was on welfare, who, who had some real social, you know, and, and anxiety, you know, kind of disabilities and, and issues, and, and the two of them just talking like sisters, like they belonged to one another. Like they, they, they just, there was this sweet connection that would never have happened naturally in the world, right? But simply because of God. When God does his work, when his kingdom comes, there's a new community that happens, a different community that happens. It's a group in which together, it's not because of anything natural, but it's because of God's kingdom coming and producing a gathering that's linked simply because of the Holy Spirit. We join together because we've been led by the Spirit to come together and follow Jesus together. This is ecclesia. This is the church. But it's important to note that just because we gather, right? It's, it's one thing to gather, but it's in another. It's another thing to be in actual relationship with one another, right? And if we're honest, we could easily gather every Sunday with the intent of even worshiping Jesus and still not realize the full potential of the church. <clears throat> so number two, the church is a belonging, is a belonging. Do you belong here? Do you know if you belong here? Do you know that you have a role in this family of God? You have a role. And I'm not talking about the person next to you, I'm talking about you. You have a role in this community. And belonging is not just theoretical, okay? It's not just theoretical. It's not just something you say, like me. I was saying this to myself to rationalize what I was doing, right? You can't say, well, I actually, I never go to church, but, and I actually never help or do anything there, and I rarely talk to anybody, but I belong. <laughs> I belong, that's my church, you know? Uh, that's theoretical. That's not, that's not reality, right? There's a basic law in the kingdom of God that if you will not persevere as a believer, you will not persevere as a believer in Jesus Christ unless you are a strong belonger to the church. A strong belonger. You can't be a close follower of Christ unless you are knit deep into a Christian community. That's radical to say nowadays, isn't it? Does that ruffle your feathers at all? You're like, how dare you tell me that I can't do well with Jesus without y'all, right? Because it has become almost a, a, a right that we have to, to say no, like I don't need you, I can do it on my own, 
right? It's almost a right, a privilege that we have to say, I can do this on my own. And God's saying, no, you can't. No, you can't. I didn't build you that way. Not, not in your DNA, not physically, not spiritually, not, not relationally. You can't do this without people. Belonging is something that requires substance. It's a reality, it's participation in the common life, the ordinary life of the church. Adam and I got to see this in a, in a really beautiful picture. Uh, seeing, seeing a picture of this when we went on a mission trip out to uh, the Connie Vineyard Church in Japan. <clears throat> and we watched this small church, this, this group of believers in admiration because most of them, <clears throat> we don't realize until you go over there and start hearing their stories, every single one of them had a story of not just how they became Christians, but how they became a part of their church. <clears throat> and what I didn't realize over there is that <clears throat> when you become a believer, that's one thing, but when you become baptized over there, you're making that statement, right? You're making that proclamation to the world that you are Christ's follower. And by doing that in Japan, a lot of their families would disown them. They said, how dare you? How dare you go against the traditions of our family, right? And they would, they would disown them. And, and multiple people that we talked to would talk about how when they became believers and when they got baptized, this became their family, in all senses of the word, this became our family. And Adam and I had a joke during our time there. We said, I don't even know whose kid this is. Because people were just, they had like, everyone was carrying a kid. Everyone was in the kitchen doing, doing the stuff of the church. It, we couldn't keep track of people. The pastor was in the kitchen. He was bringing out food. You're like, wait, you're the pastor, you know? And, and it was the sweet, just doing life together as a, as a family, as a family. There was a lot of, one anothering going on. That's another word that I love. So why must we really be part of a deeply connected group of people or a particular church? And I think it's this word. I think it's an overlooked word in the Bible. It's a Greek word, a lelon, and it means one another. And it is scattered everywhere in the New Testament, especially in the epistles, the letters to the churches. When you open the New Testament, the primary activity of the local church was to one another, one another, right? It was primarily relational. And I just wanna show you a sample of some of Paul's words to the local churches in the Bible, okay? You ready for this? Forgive one another, accept one another, care for one another, encourage one another, submit to one another, bear, to, bear with one another, restore one another, love one another. It goes on and on and on. And you know these, right? You've heard these before. And, and the point is, you cannot, without being deeply connected to God's people, you can't obey over two dozen different commands in the Bible, right? We, we can't do this Christian life without doing it together, without one anothering one another. And in John 13, 34 through 35, it says a new command an unusual command I give you. Love one another. That wasn't new to the disciples, but this was. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
And we know, we know that this isn't just random acts of kindness, right? <clears throat> just this, this inch deep. Jesus himself, in this passage, had just taken off his outer robe and gotten down on his hands and feet and washed the disciples' stinking feet. Okay, he had just modeled for them what it looks like to love one another. The hands that healed people were washing the dirt and the, the slime off of the, the disciples' feet. And he said, what you would never think to do for one another, I am doing for you. And I'm setting before you a model by which I want you to live your lives. And by this, people will know that you're mine. They'll know that you're a disciple of me. The hallmark of a true Jesus gathering is not actually how you worship, it's not how you pray, it's not how long you preach, <laughs> it's not how you baptize, it's how well you love the people that are unlike you, the people here that are unlike you. Christians are not just called to share a set of values or worldview or, or theological concepts but we're, we're called to share our hearts, right? Our lives. We're called to share our, our vulnerabilities and our strengths, right? Our big moments and our little ones. We need people in close proximity with us who can see us when we're not performing, when we're not on, when our guard is down, when our hearts are laid bare. We need our, characters to, our character to be observed by one another. We need our habits known by one another. I want you to know this, you belong. You belong and you're needed here. You belong and it's just a state of being. It's not because somebody asked you to do something. Hey, could you volunteer with this and can you help out with that? You belong. It is a state of being. And I'd like to use the example of my, my three-year-old, my three-and-a-half-year-old. I call her a three-nature because she uh, likes to think she can do everything on her own, <clears throat> and she's three. So what do I know as a mama? As much as she tells me she doesn't need me, I got this mama, I can dress myself, and her head's coming through her, you know, her armhole, and, and she's like, I've got this. Uh, um, as much as she says that, what do I know? I know she still needs her mama. She still needs her mama. And now that's the same for the church. We still need you, no matter if somebody's asking you to do something or not. You belong and you're needed. So the last point I wanna talk about is that the church is a blessing because we do not exist only for ourselves, amen? We do not exist only for ourselves. And this is actually where place is really important. Your geography actually matters here because I think that God actually gives us influence he gives us even authority in the places where we're planted, in the places where we're planted. So where do you rub shoulders with people? In your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, you know, here, you know, out in the community, you know, wherever you rub shoulders with people, God's giving you influence and he's giving you authority, right? And he, he says like, this is my mission and will you, will you partner with me in the mission that I have in this world? And in Luke 4, 18, Jesus talks about what he, his mission was in this world. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. 
We are not just called to care for one another, we're called to care for those that are outside of the building, right? Beyond the building, right? And we can't save the world, it's not our job to save the world, but we are called to make a difference. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And what we can do, we ought to do. We ought to do. And I think this is why uh, the Beyond the Building campaign is so important and really what it's all about because we're called to serve, not just one another, but serve everywhere, right? The church, our church is partnering together in, in some really creative ways to influence our communities. <clears throat> Danny said this when we were um, just almost a year ago, uh, when, when we were going through the, the beginning stages of the Beyond the Building campaign, and, and he said, if all we do is raise funds, but we do not become a church where the majority of attenders are mobilized as disciples to impact those within their spheres of influence, the Beyond the Building campaign will not be a success. And, and when I saw Danny this week, I just got back from his uh, month-long trip, we're glad to see you. <laughs> uh, I, I asked him, I said, well, how's it going? How's it going? And he said, you know what, better than even expected. Better than even expected. Do you know what I found out when I started doing some digging? <clears throat> we have over 22 go gatherings happening in this church right now. And if you're asking what a go gathering is, it's a group of people who have a heart for something in this community and are doing it. They're getting together and they're doing the stuff. And they met twice, some of them met a couple times, some of them actually already done some things in the community, helped some single moms and, and done some outreaches. Um, but still a few of them have yet to meet, <clears throat> but I wanna list them. Because you need to know how the church is going out beyond the building and actually impacting our community. I think it's just so cool. So we have missions, <clears throat> we have Knox County outreaches, we have home maintenance, Delaware City outreaches, adult counseling and teaching, automotive, Franklin County outreaches, investing in children and teens, Morrow County outreaches, social justice and caring for the poor, outdoor activities, business owners, building relational bridges, elder care, hospital, health care, administration, administrative, and then life skills, the arts, sports, and prison ministry. And you know where these came from? not from staff, from you, from you. And you know what Danny said? He said it was so cool to, to gather together as a group of people who had a, a similar heart about something and, and someone would share about what they had a heart for and somebody across the, 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 the way would go, me too, I have a heart for that too. And their eyes would well up and they're like, that's what God's given me a heart for, that. And it was so sweet to see God's people coming together because they want to love on and, and serve and bless the communities they're in. It's just so sweet. I was talking to a few of them on the phone and, and it was really cool. I, I, uh, uh, I think it was the automotive group. Yeah, it was the automotive group I was talking to and they said, you know what? We have five guys, five guys that are ready to get their hands dirty. Just show me somebody we can help. And they were, they were just looking for somebody to bless. And if you know of somebody in your neighborhood um, that's in need, that, that can't financially uh, you know, bear the burden of, of some of these things that, that need uh, people, would you call the church? We have these amazing groups now that are looking for opportunities to bless and serve our community. And so I, I wanna close with, with this story. I wanna highlight 
<clears throat> one of the first Go gatherings that started over 10 years ago. And, and uh, Danny joked, he's like, yeah, it was kind of like the first Go gathering we ever had. And it was about 10 to 12 years ago. Uh, it wasn't started because, uh, because a pastor had an idea. It was because people had a heart to reach their city and it has grown. So the VCDC Food Pantry, um, it's joked as being the largest small group in our church. <laughs> but the stats are amazing. And I just wanna share some of this with you, how encouraging this is. The food pantry since 2010, so almost seven years, in seven years we have served 44,135 people. That is a big number. A total of 12,899 households have been served. And what's cool is a lot of those are repeats because people come back. <laughs> we don't scare them away. They're like, we love these people. You know, and, and I, was, I was talking to Shalon and Jim who lead the ministry, um, and they, it was so sweet. Shalon hadn't even seen these numbers. She found them while we were on the phone, and she said, Heather, this is so encouraging to, to see these numbers and to realize that we are making an impact. We are making an impact because it's easy to get discouraged and think that you're not making a difference that somehow you're not making an impact, but you are. You truly are. And, and she's told me stories of people who, who came and they're like, can we do a wedding here? Can we, can we come together and have, you know, do this activity together? Because they see this place as their church. They love this place. And I think by welcoming these people into our midst and, and serving the poor, we're seeing the gospel we're seeing the gospel breaking through the secular soil, right? And we see this beautiful picture of ecclesia, of the church being the church. And you and I belong here. We belong to this gathering that doesn't exist for itself. And through it, we're gonna see the kingdom come. And nothing is gonna stop it. Amen? Amen. Well, in response to the Lord, let's just go ahead and stand. We're going to um, go into some ministry time. And, and this is part of, you know, this is actually rare, even in some vineyard churches, to have some one anothering going on up here, right? We're, we're one anothering one another. And we're, we're, we're carving out time in our service to say, you know what, we don't want to just sit in rows and not one another, one another. We wanna pray for one another. We wanna bless one another, right? And, and so this is, this is the time where we, where we say, God, we wanna to respond to what you've been stirring in our hearts during this time. And, and there were just a couple things that when I was praying about this time that the Lord kinda of highlighted and brought to mind. And, and he said, if you're one of, the, one of the just groups is that if you struggle to feel like you belong, if you feel like you're an outsider, and there's just something that's, that's not clicking for you and, and it's, you're feeling disconnected. Uh, the Lord just said, it was cool, he said, you know what, service is one of the best ways that you can feel like you belong to this place, to this gathering. And so if, if you are, are going, yeah, that's me, I, I've, I struggle to feel like I belong and, and I just feel like an outsider, I encourage you. I encourage you to actually just come forward to prayer 
Because you finding something to do is not as good as God telling you, this is what I want you to do, right? This is what I've built you for. This is what I want you to be involved in here at this church. And, and so would you come forward if that's you and, and today and just and get some prayer. Say, God, I need to hear from you. Where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to belong in this place? And, and I think he's gonna really give you some things. He's gonna surface some things that are already there. He's gonna highlight things that are already there. Uh, maybe through someone else confirming it for you. And, and so I, I just invite you to come forward. Um, and the second group is, the Lord just brought this to mind. He said, I did not wait for the disciples to have it all together before I sent them out. Okay, he didn't wait. I mean, it was like right in the middle of all that they did together. He's like, now go. It wasn't at the end. Um, and even then they were still struggling, right? <laughs> it says a bunch of just crazy guys. I mean, they're, they're brokenness too and, and they're hangups, but he did not wait for them to have it all together before he said, go go. And so I just felt like the Lord said, there's some of us here that are waiting. We're waiting for something. We're waiting for something uh, to click, to be better, to uh, fall into place. And God's just saying, would you just say yes? Would you just go? Would you just walk forward in faith and know that, that I have a place for you and that I, I need you, that you are needed here in this community um, so if that's you, if you feel like you've been waiting for God to say something to you, I just, I feel like he's saying, will you, will you come along with me? <laughs> you know, just like with Penny, will you come along with me? And I feel like the Lord wants you to just make some exchanges and just say, okay, yes. I'm not gonna wait anymore. I'm just gonna say yes, God. <laughs> just lay down my yes and, and watch what the Lord just gives you in exchange. Because he never leaves you empty-handed. So if that's you, I, I would encourage you to come forward for prayer. And then the last one was... Uh, just really strong. I felt like this, uh, this fear, when I talk about, you know, small groups, or I talk about uh, one another and one another, there's this anxiety that starts to rise. <laughs> and, and this fear has just really been holding you back from engaging in community. And, and whatever that fear is rooted in, God, God wants to just free you from that. Because it's not intended for you to bear the things that you're bearing alone. And God, God wants you to be knit together with some people that just want to wrap their arms around you and say, you know, me too. I'm there with you and, and I want to do this with you. And, and so I encourage you, if you feel like fear has been the thing that's been stopping you from, from engaging in this community, uh, would you come forward today and say, I need prayer. I need someone to pray for me. And, and, and we're going to see just the Spirit of God just come, right? We're going to see fear just flee. Flee. And you're going to walk away from here today lighter than you were when you came in. Because that's our God, right? So uh, we're going to enter some time just worshiping the Lord together. And, and I just encourage you, anyone that, that feels like those were for them and, and want to get prayer, um, yeah, JT. I also uh, just felt like the Lord was saying there are some folks here who were uh, deeply hurt by the church that there was a wound that happened uh, from the church. And I feel like the Lord wanted you to hear today um, that he's not asking you just to sweep it under the rug or get over it and it didn't matter. But he says it really did matter. And he wants to minister to you this morning to help you process through some of it. So. Yes, if that's for you, please invite you to come forward right now and, and we're going to worship and then I'll come back up and we're going to do a special closing together. So for anyone that those words, especially if JT's word uh, spoke to you, would you come forward and we're just going to
pray and bless, bless you this morning. And if we can have some people come and pray as well, for those that come forward, just keep your eye out. If you see someone up here and they don't have someone praying, just engage, right? Let's do some one anothering and pray for one another this morning. different. If you're still getting prayer, continue to do so. But for the rest of us, we're going to do something I used to do in my old church. Um, we're going to grab the hand of the person next to you, okay? So uh, get out of your, your chair because there's not a lot of one anothering that happens when you're sitting in rows. Let's just be honest, right? Okay, grab a hand next to you. I want you to look to your left and to your right. This is the church, okay? This is the church right here, amen. And I'm just gonna uh, pray just a benediction over you guys. Uh, it's from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, okay? I'm just gonna speak this over you in closing tonight, or today. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, riches he may strengthen you. <laughs> with power through this Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God. 
and to know that this love surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask for or imagine according to his power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. And uh, go be the church. Amen. Amen. Jesus, you.